The media said, what? <laughs> the media said, Joe Biden's president. Ha, 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 Good morning. Is it still? Nope. It's now technically afternoon. Ah, yep. boo. Just, just missed literally it. Literally just barely. <laughs> hey, y'all. This is Chris Roth here with Bushido Squirrel with your weekly knock activism wrap up. Today, we're going to be talking mainly about the election results that we, you know, we went through a lot of that. Jeez. Uh, we went through a lot of it on Tuesday and then also on Wednesday. Uh, but we have some more finalized numbers. There's still a bunch of outstanding votes in L.A. County because, uh, as we were just saying uh, while we were talking prior to starting the show, uh, California doesn't certify the elections until 15 days after. Uh, so we've got a little bit of time left. There's there's still plenty of time to count all of those mail-in ballots because, as we are well aware, uh, the election ain't over until all the votes are counted. Uh, no, I, I actually, I think, I think we should stop counting. Not, not because I don't like voting, um, but I feel there are too many numbers in the universe. We just, we don't need to be adding to that. We, we've, we've done enough numbers. We've done enough math. I think it's, it's fine. I mean, that does seem to be the approach that at least some people in this country have taken. Of like, stop the count. Can't count anymore. While other states, they say, continue the count. Keep counting. We need I, more counting. I, I've run out of fingers and toes. I can't keep track anymore. I love how they're just like, we have documentation that there have been dozens of us who have been disenfranchised. Dozens. And it's just like, you were literally given instructions on how to rectify that that problematic ballot situation that you had. Uh, you were given instructions. There are affidavits. There are still ways for you to repair your ballot. But the dozen yep. and a half of you in Nevada that fucked up weren't going to sway it anyway. Uh, but... Better luck voting next time, I guess. Like, there's instructions. See, this it's is not... this is this is why you listen to the president and you vote like two or three <laughs> times because, like, that way, if one of them gets thrown out, you've got backups. Well, you remember how um, in 2016 people actually were literally doing that, like they voted multiple times uh, and got caught doing it. So the only documented instance of like malicious voter fraud where they intentionally wanted to vote multiple times because they literally thought their ballots weren't going to be uh, counted. Uh, we're Trump supporters. Like that was it. Yeah. Um, although, did we ever get any any uh, confirmation as to what the hell happened with all those um, the ballots that got torched uh, in the well, mailbox so, uh, that got incinerated? Well, so there was a few of those that happened. There was one that happened mm -hmm. here in uh, California. There was another one that happened. I want to say in Boston. Um, and so essentially, what what the the county and state election officials were telling people was, if you dropped your ballot into that drop box get back to us immediately so we can check and see if your ballot was salvaged. And if yeah. not, um, tr sign up with one of the services that track your ballot. Like here in California, when I requested my mail-in ballot, it's like, do you want to track your ballot? And it would give me like a text when my ballot went into the mail, when my ballot arrived at my house, when my ballot was received by the uh, election officials, and then when my ballot was officially accepted. So there are ways to check and make sure that sort of thing happens. Uh, it, it, can be a little bit weird, and this is probably one reason why 
in the year of our Lord 2020, we should probably be able to do voting and stuff online in a more reasonable way. Like, I know there are, there are like issues with election security and the way that that stuff works, but like, if I can handle all of my financial transactions online, it seems like we should be able, especially with the most powerful government on the face of the planet, to build an election system that like I can sit at home and vote in my underwear. Uh, anytime I have to put on <laughs> pants to do democracy is a failure. And the founding fathers felt the same way, I'm pretty sure. But I mean, uh, you know, I, I we... used to be able to do my live tweets in my underwear, but then I started doing the stream and now I have to wear pants. Well, then you you just stood up that one I... time and, you know, it just it was all downhill, Chris. <laughs> but yeah, but before uh... we get into, into the news, we have a we had a couple of things that I wanted to mention off the top. Um First one is uh, Alex Debrecht uh, passed away today uh, from cancer, uh, which is very sad. Like most of us grew up with uh, Jeopardy. We're, we're, you know, it was a cultural institution. And Alex Trebek always just seemed like a very nice Canadian man, uh, was always a great host on the show. I knew several people who competed at the college level and other people who made it onto Jeopardy proper. Um, and everyone was, you know, very excited with him. He was a very nice man. It also goes back to the uh, fake Sean Connery, Alex Trebek rivalry that SNL created out of whole cloth. But technically, <laughs> Trebek won that one. So there we go. And also, like, before we leave, like, I'm not going to shed a tear for fucking Sean Connery. Like, you played a murderer on television and were a fucking wife beater and all around misogynist and racist. Go fuck yourself, buddy. Like, <laughs> fuck off. Um, but the other story that I want to track, and this one is a little is pretty tragic, but one that we're still yep. trying to track down some details on. So I got to be real light on the reporting here because it's been very hard to confirm what's happening. Reports on Twitter uh, are that a young man who's involved with the Black Unity Project, the people who ran the 24-hour protest at Grand Park, was killed at the intersection of Pico and Edris yesterday, which is just south of Beverly Hills, but technically in the city of Los Angeles, a young man named Wheezy. Uh, so far, the only reporting I'm seeing is coming from like citizen reporters, reporters on the ground, and people involved with Black Unity. I've been trying to track down more hard news reports, police reports. I'm trying to find any other information, but so far I've been coming up short. If you have information about this, please do reach out to me by DM. I'm really curious to see if we can get some more solid information to see if we can find out what happened. It sounds as though Black Unity is planning a memorial in downtown Los Angeles today. So if you are interested in going and spending some time with the people who ran that camp, which it's a really hard emotional experience to run an Occupy camp. You build a lot of very strong friendships and strong bonds. And I imagine that this is hurting them very deeply. Um, it sucks when you see election violence come home and it sucks when young people lose their lives over something as ridiculous as a presidential election. Um, we will update you with more information most likely next week when we're able to hopefully track down some more confirmation get some more details, um, and maybe have um, someone on the show who has more firsthand knowledge of what was going on. But for right now, um, I didn't know the young man Wheezy, but I hope him, his friends, his family, well, I hope his family, his friends are doing all right and keeping his memory alive. He sounded like a very passionate young man who's very dedicated to the cause of justice and racial justice in this city. It's dangerous doing this work sometimes. And, and for a lot of the folks doing this work who don't look like me, it's even more dangerous. So, yep. Be safe out there. Take care of each other. Watch out for one another. Um, just because this election is nearing its end point doesn't mean that we're out of the danger zone yet. We still have a lot of things that could go wacky, could go wrong. So keep each other safe. Watch out for each other. But that being said, um, nothing else of note happened last week, Chris. Bye. Yep. That's it. We're done. 
But in no, all seriousness, some uh, shit we, went down. <laughs> yeah, we had a really big election. Not only did we choose a different old white man to sit in the the White House, which <laughs> congratulations, America, we did it. We 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 elected one career politician from like a shitty corporate state to replace like just a money laundering sack of racist shit. Um, which yeah. you know, of all things, like I'm happy about it, but like not that happy about it. Like we can do I, better. John Mulaney actually did a bang up job in that monologue for Saturday Night Live last week. Yes. Um, I haven't seen what happened this week. I imagine that they had some fun with the election results. They had they had Dave Chappelle on, and you know I stopped oh. watching Dave Chappelle when he went all like anti-trans and anti-gay in his last yeah. special, and people were yeah. like, "No, it's Dave Chappelle. You have to laugh." And it's like, "No, you don't. Fuck his transphobia. Get the fuck off the stage." Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I haven't watched it, but the. Uh, the John Mulaney's bit where he extremely upset uh, Charlotte Clymer made me very happy. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Nothing will fundamentally change. I don't think they would have let him. him to wrap it up. Well, they were telling him to wrap it up, and he signals to the stage manager like, "Oh, I'm I'm wrapping it up," and then does that bit, and it was genius. And you know that Lauren Michael hated it because Lauren Michael <laughs> is a fucking rich lib piece of shit who hates that kind of stuff. But. Outside of uh, old white man elections, uh, yes. California was a little bit of a shit show. Like, we're not going to talk uh, too yeah. much about uh, California right now. We lost 22. We lost 21. Looks like we lost 15. Looks like we lost 19. We did win 17, which is a good one. We did win 25, which is a good one. Um, but there were some big ones out there that, like, there were some big ballot measures out there that we lost um, that we will do some some um, digesting on next week yes but for today yeah. i want to focus on los angeles county and los angeles city because three and a half years ago round game was founded with the idea that we can win a city council seat and we fucking did it with the help of so many allies thousands of volunteers thousands and thousands of people from across this nation who don't live in los angeles who threw money at this campaign because they saw the vision that we were pushing the vision that that Nithya Raman held for not just Los Angeles, but for every city in this nation. And for the first time in 17 years, we have displaced an incumbent LA City Council member. David Rue is going into early, early retirement to replace by Nithya Raman, who will take her seat on, I believe, December 14th. So let's yes. talk a little bit about the CD4 race and then like work our way through the ballot. Whew. All right. Well, uh, CD4 up at the top, we have 63 thousand three hundred and forty two hours this is like i literally just pulled these numbers like 10 minutes ago uh well i guess 20 minutes ago at this point uh so 63 thousand votes that's incredible david rue got fifty seven thousand votes that's also pretty fucking incredible this means that we had a hundred and twenty thousand people more than a hundred and twenty thousand people voting in a city council election that is like absolutely yeah. un heard of like what was it we were looking at these yeah. numbers uh for previous election cycles and i think what mike bonin had won the most votes in any election any city council election prior to this when it was back on the off cycle and what he won with like thirty thousand votes or something like that it yeah, was some, something i mean like this is this election was an absolute earthquake in la politics um we were looking at like 70 percent voter turnout and here's the thing with la city council is a lot of people will show up to the polls and like vote for president vote for the senate and then not even vote for city council so you'll yep. see disparities in vote returns because people just didn't make it that far down the ballot 
what L.A. County has started doing is putting the local races up at the top. You want to vote for Joe Biden. You got to go through four pages of local candidates and ballot measures before you see his name, which is <laughs> a really good just way to, to the end. participation. <laughs> I mean, you know, for those of you who hate choose your own adventure books. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, no, this, this was this was fantastic. And then we we also you know saw massive voter turnout in other elections in city council, but you know, the fact that yeah. CD ten is the same size as CD four. Population wise, basically, that's the whole point of the council districts is that they have roughly equal populations. Uh, the engagement in CD10, where Mark Ridley Thomas trounced Grace Yu, uh, 49,000 votes to 31,000 votes. I mean, the numbers are just totally fundamentally different. Like, there were, a, there's a grand total of 80,000 people that voted in CD10 at, at, as of this point in terms of the vote count totals. We had 50% higher turnout. In CD4, 50% higher. That is just When you give people something to vote for, they will show up to vote for it. And it's yeah, it's not will. an easy one. Like, it takes a lot of work to knock doors before the pandemic, to call people, to handwrite postcards, to use every strategy and every opportunity you have to reach voters. And we did it. Like, Chris and I saw this happen in real time when we were tabling outside of a precinct. And guy walked up and he was like, I'm not voting for city council and got super angry. And, like... We explained to him what Nithya is about. He walked in, came out and said, I voted for Nithya. Voters want to vote for what well, is going to be good for them. They want to vote for and, people they can believe in. And his his example, I think, is so – like the example of that voter engagement that we had, which, by the way, it was hilarious that there were like five of us at that table and there was one yeah. dude tabling for David Rue like five feet from us. Um, but he was, it, I will say he was a nice dude, though. That that guy yeah, yeah, yeah. does like outreach. He works with K-Town for All. He's worked with Sela. Like he doesn't work. He's not a member of K-Town no. for All. He's worked in collaboration with yeah. them. He's worked with Nithya before. Like he was probably the nicest Rue tabler I've met. Oh, for sure. But I mean, it's like that the example of how that interaction went down was just so emblematic of what we're fighting against and how we win it here in the city of Los Angeles, because he got up there and he's like he basically was he told us when we first interacted with him that he was trying to avoid talking to us. He literally said, I don't want to be talking to you all. But he clearly did want to talk at us and, and be listened to. He didn't want us to talk yeah. back at him because he expected us to do the, hey, vote for my candidate. My candidate's so much better than the other one, da, 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 all that stuff. But when we listened to him complaining about the fact that Rue, who he that kept mispronouncing Rue's last name, which I found yeah. to be a, a little bit a little bit funny given how uh, look, frequently Rue can't pronounce Nithia's last name. But also, like at some at some point, like a white boomer is gonna white boomer, and you just got like <laughs> you true. gotta meet this people where true. they're at. Like you, you just have to meet people where they're at. But his his whole shtick about how he didn't want to vote for Rue because of the corruption and and the developer funding and everything else that's associated with incumbency in city council, we're just like, yeah, yeah, we got you. We, we and he's like, and I hate Garcetti, and we're like, yeah. We got you. Like we get yeah. it. Like, and like you have you have every reason <laughs> to be uh, disillusioned with your city government, one hundred percent. And then we explained that Nithya is not a politician. Yeah. She's never no, run and for anything. The and way she, that you she jumped up and just, to do this. Yeah, and you jumped in and just gave him the rapid fire, like boom, 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 thirty second elevator pitch, and he walked away being like, clearly you could tell that the gears were grinding and like. Yeah, he was thinking about it, and we were like, we, none of us are being paid to be here. 
the small dollar donations that came in for Nithia versus what came in for David are hilarious in terms of the yeah. discrepancy there. Like, and versus every I mean, other council district candidate. But yeah. Well, and the fact that at the end of this campaign, where David Rue raised over a million dollars for the primary, he was sending out emails 48 hours before the election saying, I'm broke and I need to pay my volunteers. And then the next day sent out an, an email saying, I need money to buy pens and tables in order to do voter outreach. And you're like, dude, the, the election's tomorrow. Like, you should have been on this weeks ago. But it definitely showed that, like, coming out of the primary, things changed big in CD4. Nithia coming in that close to Rue, like, four points yeah. was a huge earthquake and upset a lot of people in City Hall. It definitely had some repercussions that we'll cover oh, in a minute. we'll be talking about that it in a was, minute. Yeah. <laughs> But things are different in L.A. When we all woke up on Wednesday, things were very, very different. Oh, yeah. We'll get to that. Uh, a couple of other things that happened. Jackie Lacey is gone. I got to say, like, <laughs> goodbye, man, that that rally that rally on Wednesday, uh, the final Jackie Lacey must go rally, uh, which I believe was unofficially titled Jackie Lacey gone, um, was, uh, unbelievably powerful. And I'm very, I, I was telling you about this last night. I'm very upset with myself over the fact that I was there. I was recording. I was in tears. It was amazing. And I didn't have the phantom power going to my goddamn shotgun microphone so I don't have any audio for any of the speeches that I recorded. Uh, <laughs> we'll just have to live in your memories, Chris. Uh, it was beautiful. And lots of but, other people were recording it, so that's fine. And then you can kind of like – you can juxtapose that rally that was full of love and hope and like Black Lives Matter LA celebrating a hard-fought and well-deserved victory. One of many that they've achieved from, from getting Chief Beck fired to finally getting Jackie Lacey – uh, unelected. Mm -hmm. Black Lives Matter has been there on the front lines and bringing more passion, bringing more people, having bigger rallies week after week after week, getting people involved and thinking about this. And then you compare that to Jackie Lacey's concession speech. It was a dystopian nightmare. It was so yeah. bad and it made no sense. And she complained that she was besieged on all sides by outside spending, that she was outspent and outgunned and she never had a chance. And like, I don't know if she fundamentally believes that stuff. Like, I really don't know if Jackie Lacey believes the lies that come out of her mouth or if she's just saying the thing that is most convenient for her ego. It doesn't matter anymore, though. She has no fucking power. She will not harm another human being in the county of Los Angeles. And we fucking did that. And by a huge margin. Like, it oh, was yeah. pretty clear. Quarter million votes at this point. Yeah. Yeah, it, by the time everyone woke up on Wednesday, it was pretty clear that Jackie Lacey could not hold on. And even when she courted the MAGA vote, even when she courted the police unions, it wasn't enough. And that is, I think, one thing that we need to like hold on to is that for decades, LAPPL and their allies have had a stranglehold on LA politics. Every single one of their candidates lost. They yeah. got their butts kicked when it went total. Which is... That's what and that's and that actually bodes well for uh, folks like Mike Bonin uh, because he's already being attacked by LAPPL. He's been being yeah, attacked by LAPPL the for the I'm last. I'm not pulling him out. That's fine. Um, I mean, they're 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 uh, they're pinned up on his wall every time he's uh, doing the the Zoom calls for City Council. Uh, it's one of those little little Easter eggs for the uh, the the LAPPL heads, I guess. Uh, yep. <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, so that, that this race was huge and coinciding along with that was County measure J, which, oh man, I mean, so real quick, real quick. What is County, what does measure J do for us? Gotcha. Yeah. So measure J, uh, guarantees that 10% of the County budget is set aside for the kinds of programs that actually help sustain and rebuild our communities that have been disenfranchised and disinvested in from uh, for decades and generations. So Measure J guarantees that at least 10% of the county's income, in addition to what was already being spent on these programs, go to things like alternatives to incarceration, go to things like after-school programs, go to things like increasing the community support networks available with uh, you know more programming, uh, more green spaces, uh, and the money comes from everything else, including, not limited to, but including LA Sheriff's Department. So we yep. literally put defunding the police up on the ballot in the county. Alex Villanueva dared us to do so back at the beginning of the, the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, read, literally read one of our, our, our comrades, Kevin's uh, Instagram comment saying, you know, we want to defund the police. And Villanueva's like, well, you know, just put it up on the ballot. Let's see how that goes. God, I, I should have grabbed that fucking And then the, the, well, the thing is, it, <laughs> and, and it wasn't, it wasn't we, the people who put Measure J on the ballot. No. It was the LA County Board of Supervisors who dared LA County to show up and pass this, to show up and say defund the police. And it God, wasn't it was a so 51 good. to 49. It wasn't mm-hmm. a like, oh, it could go either way. 70 fucking percent, 70 percent of LA County, I think almost 70 percent. Well, no, it's, it's 56 point eight right Measure now. J. Oh, it came down? Damn it. Yeah. All right, all right. No, the, still, those initial, the initial ones show. were huge. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, but, yeah. 56-43 is still not a very close race. And, yep. like, for all of those assholes that kept calling in, like, that's one of those really frustrating things with, like, the county board whenever they have their meetings. The uh, they, they are also extremely limited in terms of how many callers they will take during the pu- public comment section. Um, and they do a much better job of like introducing people and, and queuing them up and actually giving people like the heads up of when they're about to speak and everything. They do a much better job than the city of LA, but they're also targeted much more reliably by the shittiest callers in LA. Like sometimes we get the really shitty callers calling in blocks, like on mass for the city of LA, for LA city council. But like that almost always seems to be happening whenever the sheriff and his boys are, are going to be, you know, brought up as part of the discussion. Uh, And, and so they routinely like listening to and like live tweeting County board meetings was, whoa, not fun. But that being said, the written comment that came in in support of getting measure J up on the ballot and talking about things like stopping the, the, you know, the, any forward momentum on the construction of the replacement for men's central jail, all of these other things, the written comments that come in, coming from groups like Reimagine LA, coming from like Justice LA, coming from Black Lives Matter, coming from uh, Coco, coming from all of these community organizations, specifically the community organizations in South Central Los Angeles, Anti-Recidivism League, holy yeah. shit, they have been doing oh, yeah. a ton of work on this. All of these orgs get their members to call in and try to give comment, but more importantly, they get their members and their allies to write public comment on the website for the county, which is super fucking easy. And the beautiful thing with the county one is that you can say, 
yes, I support this, no, I oppose this, or like other, and then put your comment in. So it makes it really yeah. super easy to just like log how many people in the county support it, how many people oppose it, in terms of who's willing to engage in public interaction with like the agendas for the county board of supervisors, which a lot of people don't even know exists. But they've well, been showing like, up in force. If you go to thousands. LA City Hall, Oh, yeah. yeah. If you go to L.A. City Council and you want to put in public comment, you have to know the file number and you only get to comment on one thing at a time. You go to the L.A. County one and they just have a page and you just kind of scroll through the agenda and you're like, I want to talk about this, this, this. It's really well laid out. Enough people don't use it. We really like, you know, this is one reason that we have made a point of live tweeting events like city council meetings and board of supervisors meetings because the bar to entry is really low, but the impact you can have is really big. Hell yeah. And I mean, I, I genuinely hope that once Nithya goes into the, the council chamber, that one of the things that she pushes for is is like, honestly, just adopt the, like, go steal the county's web development team or just fucking rip off their shit and bring it right over to the city and replace yeah. the city clerk's interaction page because they're, oh my God, the, the, <laughs> the motion tracking stuff for the city clerk's website is so just trash when it comes to submitting yeah. public comment it's just absolute garbage just, like just grab a usb stick like literally walk across the street because that's how far you have to go from la city hall to get to where the county yeah. is and just be like put the code on here and then walk it back you're good you're gold that's, that's all you all gotta right, do so, that's all you gotta do yeah next up so yeah let's uh let's go to some of the smaller cities and like there's there's a lot to cover. This was a huge effing ballot, so we're not going to hit everything. We're really just going to hit our top line races. But let's hit some of the smaller cities that also saw some huge successes. Um, yeah. One of my favorite owls in L.A. is obviously Albert Corrado, but Alhambra is also another good owl in L.A. What happened in Alhambra? <laughs> the cop lost. The cop lost bad. <laughs> so uh, LAPD officer David Mejia who was the incumbent and was currently serving as the mayor of Alhambra, the fucking mayor of Alhambra as the incumbent was being challenged by Sasha Rene Perez, who came on the uh, ground game live show knock at night, uh, not that long ago. Uh, yep. And Sasha is amazing. Sasha was running absolutely like boots on the ground, knocking on doors, high school kids volunteering for her. Lots of local activists volunteering for her ran run ran this you know very much like a bootstrapped campaign. She got fifty eight percent of the vote. David Mejia came away with thirty three percent, and then uh, Karen uh, Luthi came in with eight percent. So Sasha knocked it out of the park, took nearly sixty percent of the vote, uh, and that means that not only is Sasha now the new uh, city council member for the uh, I guess it's the, the uh, fourth district of Alhambra. Uh, currently, the fourth district in Alhambra is the mayoralty. So, uh, from what we understand, Sasha is now the mayor of Alhambra, or will be the mayor of Alhambra as soon as she's sworn into that seat. So, uh, congratulations, Sasha. That fucking rules. Uh, so happy to see the successful candidates in these smaller cities because. Uh, you know, LA County is huge. And until we reincorporate all of the cities that need to be reincorporated, uh, we're just going to have to, you know, fight tooth and nail in every opportunity that we get to try to uh, overturn some of the shittier people in charge. Like, why was there yep. a cop running the city of Alhambra? Fuck that. Like, no more cops in office. Uh, we're coming for you, Joe Bush. I mean, we're, we're 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 getting closer. We're getting closer. There's still a there's still a few cops in office, but we're we're gonna come after them. Uh, and then 
I'm going to brag about this one a little bit. So like many of you noticed that I had locked down my Twitter account um, uh, about two oh. months ago. I, I was helping out in Culver for City. Damn it. No, I, I do. I, I was running. Okay. Uh, I was running an independent expenditure uh, for Culver City. We were trying to protect rent control, pass a real estate transfer tax that applied to any house sales over two million dollars, and get three city council members elected. So, Culver City being a very small city, they don't have districts. Everyone's at large. So that means when there are three open seats, everybody runs, and the top three vote getters get into office. Right now, we are guaranteed to have Yasmin McMorin sitting on LA on Culver City City Council, uh, and it looks like Freddie Puza is. Gonna to pull it out and come in third place. Daryl Mentha, who was the third member of our slate, is coming in fourth right now. Unfortunately, Albert Vera, a son of another Albert Vera who was on Culver City Council before him, uh, is going to be taking the, the number two spot in that three-way race, which is fine. We have two more votes on council. The conservatives got one. But the people pushing Albert Vera and trying to undo rent control was a group of reactionaries led by a snarling, insane man named Ron Basile. <laughs> was last politically famous for losing to Karen Bass by more than 80 points when running against her for Congress. Like, I'm not exaggerating when I say that Ron Basilian is unhinged. People who live on his block are afraid of him. People have had violent encounters with Ron Basilian. He is a dangerous person. We have an entire expose up on Knock about how crazy, misogynistic, and racist his timeline is. And if that's what he's saying in public, imagine what he's saying in private. Anyways, Ron lost on every account. Ron had a very bad day on Tuesday. I am yep. really happy to have worked with the group at Culver City together, protect Culver City renters, people like Daniel Lee, Megan Salahi Wales, and one of our newer organizers, Emily Dibney. Like, this was a group effort. I was really happy to help and to assist. But ultimately, the people of Culver City stood up and said, we want to protect each other. We want to keep our neighbors and we want to keep our neighborhood. And thank the Buddha they did that. We pulled out some huge wins that were not guaranteed. And it was a group effort. None of these wins that we're talking about are attributable to one person or one group. These are all group efforts. And we need to remember that. There's so many people pulling in the right direction. Oh, yeah. Um, well, really quick, before uh, before yeah. we talk Congress stuff, um, I think that that was an important thing that got brought up a little bit in the last couple of days in terms of the the desire in the media to credit a single individual with like winning a massive chunk of votes. For instance, uh, they keep talking about Stacey Abrams in Georgia and how they're crediting her with 800,000 registered voters. It's like she led an organization that did that, but... She didn't sign up 800,000 voters. There was a lot of fucking work that went into that. And putting all of that on her shoulders diminishes the work of all of the other people, including all of the other black women that made that yeah. fucking happen. And frankly, I'm not a big fan of Stacey Abrams's politics. And like, you know, I, it's great that she helped make, you know, re-enfranchising a huge swath of Georgia. But... It's not just her. It's a ton of people that put in an incredible amount of work and lifting her up at the expense of all of those other people's efforts is not helpful. It's just, it's not just, it's not just distracting. It's also destructive because it de, you know, it diminishes the, the work of all of these people who put in tons of effort. And just like what you were saying, like this is, this is the kind of work that needs to be done as a movement, as a coalition. It is a team effort. This is not the work of a single individual. Uh, like, and, and uh, just, I don't even want to get into like the Lincoln project bullshit, but like, yeah, just, 
it wasn't just one person who did any of this shit. And like Unite Here, the work that Unite Here did in like Nevada, securing that fucking vote for Biden, the work that um, what's the name of the group in Arizona that you were plugging about? Uh, well, you, Unite Here was also out in Arizona, but Lucha, oh, yeah, yeah. which is a people's Lucha. action affiliate, That's, and yeah. Lucha's been on the ground. This isn't this isn't the result of like this cycle's organizing. This is four to ten years worth of deep canvassing and deep organizing to get here in places like Arizona, Nevada, and Georgia. These are hard. In spite of hard what the Democrats problems. are doing. Yeah. Like you have to we, – we're doing the work to get people to be like, no, 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 no. Just please vote for Joe Biden even though – like even though he has actively tried to alienate you and tell you he doesn't want your fucking votes because he doesn't give a shit about Latinx communities. Like – even in spite of what the Democrats throw out there, vote for him anyway because we got to get rid of Trump, right? Now we yep. go out and we protest the shit out of Biden because at least we're starting from a better, you know, more movable candidate than we were with Trump, right? At, at least. And yeah, and but anyway, before we move on from this, I just wanted to point out, like, <laughs> it makes a really easy media narrative. It makes it much easier to write your story if you're able to say that this group or this person is responsible. And we saw the L.A. Times do this, where they put out a really bullshit headline talking about angry voters and Nithya being the vessel for voter angst and all of this bullshit and just erasing the work that was done. Enough yeah. people got on Twitter and said, fuck this. This is wrong. The L.A. Times corrected the headline. It's up to us to check the media. Like, yeah. they may be the fourth estate. We are definitely the fifth estate, and we have to exercise that power. So anyways, let's, uh, let's keep going through these races. <laughs> Unfortunately, yep. we have some, some losses, some rather hard losses or things that are teetering on a knife's edge that look like they're not going to go our way. So let's cover these because, like, there were some amazing first-time candidates out there. The chances of winning, a first, the, winning an election the first time you run are really, really slim. Yep. And I need to explain this to people. In politics, we tend to think of a win or a loss as guaranteeing things forever. That if you lose an election, you should never run again. Or if you win an election, you should always be in that seat and always be moving to higher political office. We need to get that out of people's brain. You know, we don't need Absolutely. more Mitch McConnells who are sitting in, in office for like 30, 40, 50 years. That does not help us. We need to see politics as something you do for a bit to achieve a goal and then clear the space for new people to move in there. Amen to that. So first up, uh, David Kim came in with an astounding 82,000 votes. And we're, they're still counting votes right now. Um, sadly, not yeah. quite enough to overcome Jimmy Gomez. But like, it's, li as it's someone who lives in the call. district... Yeah, but as someone who lives in the district, I gotta tell you, like, I think I got like one one mail uh, drop from uh, from the Kim campaign. I got a whole bunch of texts, I got a bunch of calls, uh, and I was thrilled to be hearing from those. Uh, but I got at least like one piece of mail. I feel like it was one piece of mail per day for the last like three weeks of the election from Jimmy Gomez. Like the money differential between these two candidates is something that cannot be overstated. Like yeah. the amount of like corporate backing bullshit that Gomez put out there, which by the way, he ran touting like with fucking mailers with uh, AOC on them acting like he was a champion of the green new deal. We know that that motherfucker did not support the green new deal legislation until sunrise beat the shit out of him over it. Like they were just like knocking oh, yeah. on that door, protesting against him, calling him all the time because he did yeah. not support the green new deal. 
I, and then I he goes and campaigns on it. And they were, yeah. they were not happy to see us show up. They didn't really know what to do with this, but they definitely didn't want to open the door for us the first time we oh, showed yeah. up. No. And they also, like, and I don't want to downplay, you know, David Kim's um, really experimental shit, like playing with a UBI setup for people in his district. Like, really revolutionary, yep. outside-the-box thinking from David Kim. And I'm really, really proud of where David and his campaign went. Um, mm -hmm. He didn't get the ground game endorsement this time, but between where he was when he asked us for the endorsement and where he ended up, it yeah. was an impressive amount of growth in a small amount of time. And I know this is not the last time we'll hear from David. I certainly hope not. This yeah, was well, amazing and inspiring and absolutely beautiful and a very people-driven yeah. campaign. Absolutely. And we'll talk more about that again later because yep. all these things have follow-ups. Um, also, sadly, Fatima, who did an amazing job, got 45,000 votes. Uh, Gibson, sadly, is uh, currently projected to win. He's got 71,000 yeah. votes. But, man, what a fight in a district and I, that— I do have to say, this one also, one reason it's not called yet is there's like between 40 and 50 percent of the ballots have yet to be counted in AD 64. So, like, it could go either way. It's it's most likely going to go to Gibson, but it's taking a while to count those votes. So that's one reason yep. that we're we're not able to definitively make these calls one way or the other at the moment. Yeah, but I mean, I am thrilled to see how well Fatima did on this time around and the infrastructure that she built. And I really, 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 really hope that she runs again because she can win that seat. And she if yeah. she goes for it again, I think she will win that seat. So, yeah. Uh, or maybe great, a, great maybe showing. a city council seat because you know Mr. Uh, Buscaino, he's got to oh, he's got to right. come up for re-election in 2022. All of that Ooh. contingent upon redistricting now. Uh, yeah. And then the last race we did want to talk about uh, Miguel Santiago, darling of the establishment, BFFs with Mark Gonzalez, the man who runs the LA County Democratic Party. Looks like and he will California be returning to the chair assembly. for Biden. Yep, but it looks like uh, Miguel Santiago will be returning to the assembly. Uh, Godfrey Santos Plaza, who was a who's a teacher, who is one of the only tenants, like an actual renter, running for office in the state of California, looks as though he's fallen short. Godfrey also ran a really inspiring campaign, was fighting a huge uphill battle where it wasn't just the amount of money, but literally the fact that like Santiago is supported by the party structure because the party. Yes is not interested in a free and fair competition to get these seats. They want people who are loyal to them, who are going to run for and reliably win those seats. I certainly hope this is not the last we hear from Godfrey. Like his campaign, yeah. his persona, everything that he built was so amazing and That's so beautiful. inspiring. And no matter what the numbers look like, this is much closer than anyone wanted it to be. And this is an incredibly incredibly diverse and complicated district to run in that covers everything from East LA to downtown all the way down to Huntington Park, parts of Koreatown, parts of East Hollywood, like Vernon. these weird gerrymandered districts are yeah. just beasts to try and deal with. And as a first time candidate running there, it's a lot to deal with. Um, but yeah, all of these, especially in a pandemic, I mean, come on. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, doing doing this kind of outreach during a pandemic and, and galvanizing voters in, in, a, in what is historically a very low voter turnout district, like 8053 does not have a ton of people voting in it. And I mean, there's this is this looks like, you know, we're looking like it's going to crest 100,000 votes in it this time around. But like 8053 is big. 8053 is also yeah. the second poorest district in the entire state of California when you look at median income like this is 
it's a very challenging district to run in. We we have a lot of uh, background in this district um, from you know having my very short-lived uh, you know throwing in my hat in that into that uh, arena. But the like, but it's also a tough living district. there. Yeah, also living here. Like, there's not a ton of voter engagement in a lot of these neighborhoods, especially like downtown is not like a big voter area. It's also very difficult to canvas in. Uh, all of it, it's a, it's a very challenging district. Godfrey did an amazing job. I really want to see Godfrey running for something again. Uh, cannot wait to help him uh, win whatever the next thing is that he goes for. Um, but yes, so, uh, but then again, just going back to this at the top, uh, this is, pr- the proof is in the pudding. Ground game is yeah. here. Ground game is is not going away anytime soon. And city council is scared shitless. And we'll talk about that in just a little yeah. bit. But, but also, before we do, City Council isn't going anywhere. Yep. K-Town for All isn't going anywhere. Black Lives Matter LA, um, Sunrise Movement, uh, Los yep. Angeles Community Action Network. Uh, 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 there are so many groups, and they're like all like exiting my head now that I have to name them all. But this oh, yeah. was, these wins and these successful challenges and even the unsuccessful challenges are because of thousands and thousands of people putting in the work. You know, yep. no organization is an island. No candidate is an island. We have exercised real power. And I don't just mean we ground game. I mean we as the people who live in Los Angeles. Like we are changing things because we're fucking showing up. And that is that is something unique and new for Los Angeles. And the people in power don't know how to deal with that. Unfortunately, another thing that the people in power don't know how to deal with is fucking coronavirus. So let's talk about our third wave, which like I like third wave, Ska. I don't like third wave coronavirus. <laughs> Let's keep I that don't in mind. Like, I don't like third wave politics either. Um, here we are with uh, the state of California. Jesus Christ, this graph is going in the wrong direction. As yeah, of this no, recording, it's bad. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very bad. As of this recording, we're now up to 969,724 confirmed cases of COVID-19 in the state of California. We're going to get... We're going to hit a million by like the end of the week because we had 5,396 new confirmed cases yesterday, a Saturday, which is not the highest day of the week for confirmed cases. This means we're probably going to have well over 6,000 cases tomorrow. Like today, it's going to be probably a pretty low count because Sundays are always pretty low, but Monday, it's going to be real fucking bad. And, you know, the worst days of this crisis back in July was when we were hitting almost, we were hitting like, about 10,000 cases a day uh, as part of the seven day average, we are cresting over almost to 13,000 at the beginning of August, middle of August. But like we're on our way. Weather is getting cold again. It was like 60 something degrees out this morning and windy. It was beautiful to walk around and get some fresh air, which was nice, especially after the rain cleared all that shit out of the air. But it's flu season again, get your fucking flu shots. I was just going to say, <laughs> get your like, flu shots. Flu um, season plus COVID uh, is going to be bad. Get a flu shot. 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 And if you're not going to get a flu shot, keep your ass away from my immunocompromised ass. Thank you. Yep. Quarantine this shit out of yourself. Uh, we are now up to a staggering 17,965 deaths in the state due to the coronavirus. 29 of them came yesterday. Uh, here in the city, well, sorry, the county of Los Angeles, we're following the same fucking trend lines. 
Uh, I don't know. I still don't understand exactly what that like massive spike we got at the middle of, uh, or I guess at, toward the end of October when we had more than 3,000 cases uh, in a single day. But we're, we're now up to 320,068 here in uh, L.A. County, uh, 2,372 new cases yesterday. We're up to, again, a staggering 7,170 deaths in the county due to the virus, 12 of them happening yesterday. This trend line is, looked like it was going in the right direction, but again, it follows in two weeks, which the two weeks ago was when we had that massive spike uh, in new cases for the county. So I expect this line is going to start going back up again. You can actually mm -hmm. see it there at the very tail end of this graph. There's like a little a little block of uh, vertical spikes that are very close together. And there's no white space between them, which means that that's a solid chunk of new uh, new deaths that we're getting. So it's it's uh, like it's bleak. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, this is extremely indicative, like when this number starts to get lower and lower, the death count is going to go higher and higher. We're down to 661 available ICU beds here in the County of Los Angeles. Just, mm -hmm. it feels like it was, you know, not long ago because it was not that long ago that we were over a thousand ICU beds. We're now 30% of those beds have been filled. And if things can continue on this trend, we're going to run out of hospital beds real soon. We probably should have had that, you know, uh, what was the, the, the U S um, the ship, the hospital ship mercy or whatever it was called. Well, they, like, they, but the, the hospital ships are so wacky because the Navy has to be so yeah. like they do. They don't treat COVID patients on those ships. No. Yeah, they yeah, treat yeah, people yeah. who are not COVID patients and anyone who would go onto the ship had to quarantine for 14 days before they could oh, go onto the ship if they're coming out of a hospital environment. But I, one thing I want to point out is right now, COVID has killed more Americans than any war except for World War II and the U.S. Civil War. Now, we have 200, uh, 236,000 or so dead Americans from COVID. In the Civil War, we lost 140,000 Americans to combat. COVID has killed more Americans than were killed in combat in the Civil War. Yep. That's scary as fuck. World War II, we're probably going to surpass that one by the end of the year or by the middle of next year at the latest, which is around 450,000. But COVID is single-handedly, by the time it's done, going to be the single deadliest thing to happen to America. And it was all preventable. We, we didn't have to go through any of this. We could, have, we could have flattened that curve and kept those numbers, but like we're just going up. So when Biden get in, gets into office, we'll have to see. But, like, there's probably more lockdowns coming. There's probably more restrictions coming. And that's probably a good thing. We're nowhere near to a vaccine. And people are dying. And it's people that are live in marginalized communities, people that are diabetics like myself that have – you know, it's weird when I watch Fox News. They're like, oh, these people have comorbidities. Why do we care about them? It's like, you know what? Fuck you. Like, I don't deserve to die because you want to eat out at fucking Ugo on a Tuesday night. Goddamn. Yeah. So uh, let so us uh, let us move is, on to some really, happy news real quick. Oh, oh go here, ahead, here's go ahead. the here's the scary the scary map. Um, this is showing the yeah. confirmed cases per hundred thousand. Um, that's the same thing as this table, but it's a graph, so it's yeah. prettier to look at. Um, like dark spots are bad, folks. The Central Valley yeah. is getting hit, um, and you know the rural parts of the of the state where people refuse to believe in wearing masks are. 
going to be hammered now. And it's yeah. like everyone just take care of yourselves. Take care of your, your loved ones. Like this is this is not good shit. Um, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> So let's uh yeah let's uh let's move on to some good things that happened. So uh Wednesday was an LA City Council meeting and it happened immediately <laughs> after the election and everyone woke up that day and they saw the numbers in CD4 and every council member saw the writing on the wall. Mike Bonin, uh, uh bless his heart, decided that was a good day and I think it was already on the calendar, but that was a it good was, day to yeah, talk yeah. about building social housing here in LA County. And what happened with that vote, Chris? Well, so what was really fun was that um, so the, the, just to, to step it back like two seconds, uh, there's a there's a thing in city council where because of the Brown Act, you are required to uh, solicit input input and comment from the public on any and all things on the agenda. And you have to provide an opportunity for that to happen. This particular social uh, or sorry, let me before I get to talking about this one, what used to happen under uh, when Garcetti was uh, the council president, you know, in the way back times. Uh, Garcetti, basically, if any if any agenda item was called special, Garcetti would reopen public comment so that folks could specifically speak on that agenda item because it was called special. So some like a city councilman or four are going to speak on it. So you might as well allow the public to speak on it because that kind of makes sense. But per the rules, Technically, if the public comment period has been satisfied in like, oh, I don't know, a committee hearing, you don't have to do that. And uh, that didn't happen under Wesson. And it is, again, not happening under Nuri. We saw this item, item 15, almost every single person who called in to speak on Wednesday, because, again, I was live tweeting it. Almost every single caller was saying that they wanted to speak on 15, but because they couldn't, they were going to just tie it to item 14, which was. Uh, project room key continuation as it moves on to become uh, project home key, hopefully. So the, like all of the public comments that came in, almost all of them wanted to speak about this item, but Nuri wouldn't let them and Streffen Falbo wouldn't let them because they do fundamentally do not want to hear from you. If you are a member of the public and you want to give comment on these issues because Nuri doesn't like having an engaged populace because an engaged populace means that Nuri probably ain't going to win again. And uh, I, I, I'm so happy we were talking with Rachel on the live show on Wednesday later uh, and like subtly pushing uh, Rachel Reyes to like run against Nuri because, oh, my God, that would be so much fun. And I'm here for it. Uh, but yeah, they, they, so Bonin introduced this motion. It did have public he- uh, comment satisfied in a committee hearing. Nobody got to speak on it. Bonin wanted people to be able to speak on it. He was annoyed that they wouldn't let people speak on it. Everybody that called in was annoyed that they couldn't speak on it. Uh, but they got to it anyway. And when they did talk about it, uh, there was a lot going on. Um, Mitch O'Farrell supported this social housing policy. Uh, Gil Cedillo supported it. But Gil like was talking out of like every side of his mouth about this whole issue and really was seemed like he was muddying the waters about this. Every single person was supportive of this. Uh, Buscaino like wanted to study other options that had been done in other cities, but you could tell that the tide had shifted in LA City Council when they were talking about this motion. No one prior to this supported Bonin when he had proposed things like the vacancy tax. The only person who was supporting Bonin was Rue on the vacancy tax, and that was because Rue was trying to take credit for it back when Rue was trying to be... Uh, you know, a Nithya Raman clone. But now 
every other council member is like, oh, shit. We just saw this election result come back. We saw that Nithia just trounced Rue. We could be, you know, taken out in the exact same way because none of us can raise money the way that Rue did. And so they all got in line and were supportive of at least this report back on a social housing policy, which which is which is huge. Like having unanimous huge. support even for report back on this is a so really big change. Like it's huge. Yeah. <laughs> It was great. So yeah, it it was a, a it was Nithya Raman is already doing work in city council and she hasn't even been yeah. sworn in yet. And I, for one, love to see it. It's been it's great. it's going to be a very different like year in city council. Things are already changing. It's, I can't and wait to live tweet it. To see, <laughs> we're going to be able to see bold things happen because we keep being told what LA City Council can't do and what they what they just don't have the power to do, which they're generally lying about. Like when city council says we have no power over how housing and zoning and land use gets decided, it's like, motherfuckers, you have the army of LAPD and eminent domain. Like there is stuff (laughs) that you can do to make changes. And we know you can. And we're going to start like seeing where that goes. Um, But let us move on to talk a little bit about what's going to change here in LA now that it looks like Biden's going to win because he's probably going to be taking a few California politicians with him. Um, well, Eric Garcetti. Let's talk Eric uh, Garcetti for a second. So, uh, I mean, we've we've discussed this. You and I have discussed this. Uh, there's, yeah. If he's going, which I genuinely can't tell if he's going or not because this it, whole like. Rick Jacobs. Uh, yeah, yeah, the whole Rick Jacobs situation like that might cost him a cabinet position. If it does yep. not cost him a cabinet position, everyone is talking about Garcetti becoming the Secretary of Fucking Transportation, which yeah. I gotta say, I, I saw some funny tweets uh, about Biden and trains, and I just I don't think that Garcetti and Biden are on the same page when it comes to public transportation. Uh, Biden does seem to be a fan of trains. He rode a lot of trains, famously rode a lot of trains uh, during his time in the Senate. He won't have to ride trains anymore now that he's going to be living in the White House. But I think he's still a fan of trains. And we can tell that Garcetti just doesn't give a fuck about trains. Uh, yeah. Because as he the head of Metro. Metro's budget just. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> as like the fucking head. Ninja, but with bus lines. <laughs> True. Although, yeah, actually, that's true. He did he did spend a bunch of money on on heavy rail, but did not spend a bunch of money on like, literally anything else for transportation, and slashed it. Slashed bus uh, frequency. Slashed bus uh, route numbers. Like all of this, it's it, been absolutely devastating for public transit here in LA County. Uh, so we really hope that that doesn't happen. I've also heard people talking about him being nominated to HUD, which housing and urban development. For those of you not on the acronym game. <sighs> Currently, yeah, yeah. currently occupied by Ben Carson, a former <laughs> yeah. surgeon with no experience doing anything housing related. So as much as I may not like Garcetti, he would be a market improvement over um, Ben but Carson. But there are so many other better options for HUD and so many better yes. options for transportation. And yes. like honestly, like as much as I hate having Garcetti as mayor, like we should probably be fighting to keep him as mayor because – him being in any kind of a secretary or cabinet position is probably more dangerous for the rest of the country. Let's minimize the harm that he can do by limiting him to just fucking up this city rather than yeah. fucking up the whole goddamn country. Uh, and, and whether, no matter what happens to Garcetti, we will be electing a new mayor in 2022 because he's termed out. If he does leave, 
we might see a special election or we might see kind of a placeholder type thing. Um, it's going to be a little bit wacky. We'll let you know. But if Nuri Martinez maintains her position as president of city council during this lame duck period, she will have an outsized amount of power. I yep. think whether Garcetti leaves or not, but it's going to get real interesting real fast if he does get tapped to go up to Washington, D.C. Uh, now, the, the next seat that might that is definitely being vacated that will definitely have to be filled is Kamala Harris's position as junior senator for the state of California because she's not for re, not up for re-election until 2024. So we, we have quite a bit of time to get somebody into that position. And it, it, mm -hmm. it looks like Newsom will probably appoint someone, but he could uh, call for a special election if he wanted to, but he probably won't take that risk. So let's talk a little bit real quick about the people who could uh, fill Kamala Harris's seat by, uh, by appointment. And keep in mind, Gavin Newsom hasn't like given us a short list or anything, so a lot of this is just speculation. Yeah, uh, so let me actually, I forgot to put the pictures up, so let me get them in the order that we're going to talk about them, and then I will load them, and it will be beautiful, and everything will work just fine. I'm almost done. Give me a second. Uh, yep, that's, there we go. Now it's in the right order. Bada-bing, bada-boom. Kamala's going away! So here's a picture of Kamala with the Gavinator. Uh, looking extremely bleached teeth and hair jelly as usual. Um, but yeah, so first up, uh, as far as the potential options, we're going off of the list that came out of what the LA times, uh, as the, 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 the short list of what might happen here. So first up yeah, is it's speculative Karen Bass. shortlist. Yes, speculative shortlist because nobody actually knows. But uh, Karen Bass, it was the first that was mentioned from the L.A. Times. You know, she she does represent Los Angeles uh, in Congress. She is incredibly popular. Uh, she would probably make a very good senator uh, representing mm -hmm. the state. And it would be wonderful to have uh, her take that position. Up next in the shortlist, the speculative shortlist from the L.A. Times is the one and only Attorney General for California, Javier Becerra. Uh, his name starts with an X, but it sounds like a J, and it confuses a lot of people. Uh, Becerra is most known these days for the shitload of lawsuits filed against the Trump administration, trying to stop all sorts of absolutely heinous shit uh, from uh, happening here in California, specifically around immigration. Uh, it's been a good fight. He seems like a pretty qualified candidate, but, uh, if the, and the, the other thing that would happen here is that if Newsom does appoint Becerra, uh, then he would get to appoint a replacement for Becerra as well, which means that I, I feel like Becerra or another candidate who was mentioned toward the end of the LA times list are the more likely options because then, uh, Gavin gets to continue being Gavin and gets to continue playing political cards and appointing people and being a kingmaker because as governor, that is entirely his, uh, his prerogative. Uh, oh, Andrea yeah. Leon Grossman is pointing out that uh, uh, Padilla has, or sorry, Becerra has been absolutely terrible about Aliso Canyon. Also been I mean, absolutely Becerra's terrible been about, shitty about everything. We don't need, we don't yeah. need to go through all of his record. Like he sucks. He could get appointed. It would lead to another appointment. Um, who else Here's the uh, interesting could possibly one. fill this? So explain this one to me. I don't get it. Uh, Robert Garcia, who is the mayor of Long Beach. I think he's I think he's kind of a wild card that the L.A. Times okay. is sort of like pulled out like he could be a down ballot sort of popular Democrat. 
that could get leveled up real quick, but I don't see it happening. Like, I don't think yeah. the mayor of Long Beach would particularly, like, would fill that seat particularly well. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it it seems like for a lot of their other down-ballot places, like down-ballot, or not down-ballot, but, like, smaller profile politicians, yep. they're picking interesting people, but I, I don't think Newsom's going to take that big of a chance. So I think that somebody like uh, Barbara Lee from Oakland, who's currently in the House, much more likely to get that, um, especially oh. because Barbara Lee has picked up a pretty big national profile in the last few months. And Barbara Lee would be fantastic. Reminder to everyone that Barbara yeah. Lee was the only person who voted against uh, the absolutely heinous shit coming out of the uh, the Bush administration following September 11th. Like she's the yep. only one who stood up and took the principal position and said, no, we shouldn't go to war like this. You're asking for a blank check to invade a country that we don't have any like. She's the only one with the fucking courage of her conviction yeah. stood up to everyone. Oh, God, it would be so good to have Barbara Lee. Uh, yeah. Every, everyone else, like Karen Bass would be great. Barbara Lee would make it so much better. Uh, and Secretary then, of, course, of State the, Alex Padilla is also being floated, but he's yep. a little bit scandal-plagued and not yeah. a really strong politician. Um, he has not done a great job as California Secretary of State, found himself embroiled in a, a lot of uh, a lot of scandals, especially around the way California has tried to modernize its voting system. And Padilla has not – not all of those plans have gone off without a hitch. Many of them have gone off with several, several hitches, which fortunately haven't been like – fatal errors, but it's definitely made voting in California a little bit harder to figure out than it was before. Yeah. And we're so, uh, we're now getting into the, the list of other people that might be considered, uh, Dylan, Ellie, uh, Eli, sorry, probably, I don't know how to pronounce your names. You're on Twitch. Uh, just put in a comment asking about Ro Khanna. Uh, that's possible. Probably not, yeah. but it's possible. Who knows? Yeah, we don't know this, anything about yeah. this. This is a speculative list that the L.A. Times yeah. put up. Rokana would be a good one. And again, Rokana has had like some really strong progressive credentials. He also plays well with the establishment. Um, I, it, one of the things to consider here is Newsom's going to consider not just somebody that can fill the seat because literally anyone with a pulse in the state of California uh, could <laughs> fill the seat. Appoint me. Uh, appoint me, you coward. I could fill this. I'm, I'm not entirely joking about that. I would love to be a senator for a couple of years and then fuck off. It'd be fun. But, It'd be fun. But – they probably will appoint someone that wouldn't just do a decent job filling the seat, but somebody that could win that election in 2024. And that's yep. sort of like where the rubber meets the road is how much Newsom's willing to risk versus how safe he wants to be with the seat. So a lot Absolutely. of these like smaller names would be an interesting choice, but probably couldn't hold the seat against the challenger in 2024. Exactly. So let's just run through those really quick. Uh, State Senate President Pro Tem uh, Tony Atkins out of San Diego Seems unlikely, but it's possible. This one cracks me the fuck up. San Francisco Mayor London Breed. What the fuck are you thinking, LA Times? How? I mean, like, it, would, it would be a big get. Like, it would definitely be a bold <laughs> choice. <laughs> it would be so bad. Yeah. Uh, other other folks. Uh, insurance Commissioner for the state of California, Ricardo Lara. Possibility. Interesting yeah, possibility. He, Especially if Medicare for All is getting to the table, and especially because like the ACA is going to be undergoing a lot of revisions, um, yep. no matter what happens here, yeah. Ricardo Lara would be well positioned to deal with that. Katie Porter is also another name that's floating, which I feel yeah. like that's extremely unlikely because Katie Porter is an extremely powerful uh, and and popular uh, congresswoman representing Irvine, and Irvine, you know, was, was not red. a historic hotbed of Democratic power. 
And yeah. I don't see why you would replace Katie Porter or pull Katie Porter out of that seat and put her anywhere uh, for a while until like there's more gains made down in Orange County. Cause especially why because would you risk would that? Lead to a, well, especially because it would lead to a special election and possibly flip that district red with um, a but shitload again, Katie, of money. Yeah. But again, Katie Porter is most likely had her eye on the Senate anyways, like Barbara Boxer, um, when she bowed out, a lot of powerful women um, threw in. Diane Feinstein will probably not be running for re-election, so Diane Feinstein is going to have to get replaced in an election. Katie Porter yep. would be a good one to step up yeah. and run for that seat. You know, like she would make a lot of sense. Some yep. other folks whose names have been floated: uh, Oakland Mayor Libby Schaff and Los Angeles yep. County Supervisor Hilda Solis. Which I don't know if Hilda Solis would want to do that. Like Hilda I Solis. Think she would. <laughs> has uh, a constituency bigger than a senator, but like way less heat on her as a county board of supervisors. And she seems to be doing some really good work there. Like she's not the most progressive person that has ever, you know, graced us in the the county of Los Angeles, but she's made a pretty good case for, you know, the five little queens being, and they are the five little queens. Now we they can't are. call them the five little kings because it's now yep. five women that represent LA County. But she's made a pretty good showing there and a pretty good argument yeah. for why the L.A. County Board can do more progressive and more bold things. Um, and what is the last name floated and why do we care about the last name that's been floated? Oh, uh, well, no, this isn't for uh, Kamala's seat that this this name. Oh, yes. Yeah, I don't true. have any others. This, we're Sorry. moving. We're we're the the, the we're bullets going are back at to different a levels. cabinet appointment. <laughs> Sorry, Chris, your, your, your script kind of threw me for a loop. I'm sorry that the outline is not perfectly clear. Um, like this is Mr. just an interesting Trump, one. You're fired. No, you're not. <laughs> oh, please no. don't. Please don't leave. I couldn't do this without you. Fair enough. I couldn't do this without you either, Tim. Uh, so the interesting name that's been thrown out here for a, a going back to the, the talk of the cabinet stuff, you know, with the whole is Biden going to be picking uh, Garcetti to have a cabinet position or not? We don't know. An interesting name that got floated for a potential cabinet position would be uh, Representative Jimmy Gomez. Uh, popping up for the the position that that Gomez was floated for potentially is uh, international commerce something or other. It's some yeah. it's 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 like um it's an office that I actually didn't realize existed. Uh, and why you would particularly want Jimmy Gomez to be in that office is kind of beyond me. But he fits the profile of someone who would go into a Biden administration, extremely corporate, extremely, you know, middle of the road, inoffensive with like good hair, like, okay. Um, but if he does go, that would mean that uh, David Kim's uh, fantastic campaign could get a breath of new life for a special election uh, to replace him because Jimmy Gomez just won the, the 34th congressional district race. And if he gets appointed into a cabinet position, we got to have another election for the 34th congressional district. And it, it just so. so happens that we have a young, exciting progressive who just ran a really competitive campaign in the 34th district who would probably be able to clinch that seat since oh, Gomez, man. the incumbent, would be out of office. And people would recognize the name David Kim and literally half that district just showed up to vote for him. So yeah. um, if Gomez <laughs> did get pulled up to the majors, as it were, that would be really cool and a really big opportunity for us. So, yeah, uh, everybody support Jimmy Gomez for a cabinet position because then we don't have to deal with him as a congressman anymore. Um, yeah. yeah, I think I mean, that pretty much wraps it up here for us. Uh, 
I don't know what's going on this week. I'm going to be not live tweeting uh, Tuesday and Wednesday, yeah. which is kind of welcome to Alex McIlvain, who has decided to jump on the grenade <laughs> that is our experiment to drive Chris insane by making him live tweet every single city government meeting. Uh, it's going to be fun. Tune in to us here at uh, Twitch.tv backslash Ground Game LA. If you're here, you already know where it is. If you're listening to the podcast. Well, I don't know, I don't know if he's going to do it on the on Twitch. We'll see. On I'm, I'm going to make oh, sure that he's set up to, to, right, to do the right. live tweets. So if you can follow along at twitter.com slash knock dot L.A. spelled K-N-O-C-K-D-O-T-L-A. The capitalization doesn't fucking matter because it's Twitter. If we can get him on the Twitch, like let me put it this way. That city council meeting where Mike Bonin introduced the report back or they ordered the report back on social housing. More people were watching you live tweet a city council meeting than we're watching the official city council feed. Uh. Like more people come to knock to get L.A. County or L.A. city government like goings on than they actually go to the city's official feed. So that's pretty fun. Um, but yeah, but then fun. also we got our yeah we've got our meeting going on Thursday. Uh, if you yep. have never been to a ground game meeting and you would like to do that, hit us up. We'll hook you up with our seven eight is seven p.m. pre meeting, so you can kind of like learn how we do it and like figure out you know how we sort of run our meetings. Uh, Wednesday, I believe uh, people will be back out at the Hall of Injustice um, because even though Jackie Lacey's gone, now we have to pressure Gascon. Like now we have to work on moving him to where we want him to be. Now we have to work on continuing to talk about and name the violence of LAPD and the LA County Sheriff's Department because since George Floyd died, they haven't stopped shooting people. Yep. Every two well, weeks, LA Sheriff's Department kills another person. Yep. So uh, just a quick note on that one. I don't know if they actually will be there this week because this oh, week oh, might okay, be the okay, first week okay. off. Um, Melina did mention that, you know, they're going to take a break. So I don't know when that's happening, oh, how long okay, that's happening. Okay. Um, I think the thought is to just basically put the protests uh, uh, and the rallies on hold until Gascon is in office. Uh, because right. protesting him before he actually assumes office is, um, a, you know, we, the, the, the plan is to uh, apply that pressure as soon as he fucks up. Uh, and we I expect mean, that that will happen my- pretty quickly. No, I totally understand, but I'm also, you know, being a little bit of a, a cynical asshole, I take more of the Guantanamo <laughs> Bay approach to politicians that you're all shitty until proven otherwise. And people who are not shitty because they have proven otherwise are people like Nithya Raman. Like, you know, people who have who have come into this as not being politicians and certainly not having been captains in the Los Angeles Police Department. So I, I am looking forward to George Gascon's tenure. I am looking forward to having a semi-antagonistic relationship with him. And I am looking forward to him proving me wrong. I really oh, yeah. hope he does. I hope so, too, because uh, that it would be great to not have to worry as much about at least that one position of power. Um, yeah. But let's I'm not I'm not counting those chickens at this point because goddamn, yeah. like he's a he's a cop. Yeah. Yeah. He's a cop. And his I mean, track and his, record in his, San Francisco wasn't great. It was mixed, you know. And this yeah. is one thing I do have to explain to people uh, when you enter into electoralism and you do, like, get into office. Politics is the art of compromise. You know, there is not a politician out there who has won their office whose hands are completely clean. Um, yep. It just – it doesn't work that way. And that's one reason why if you want to be the righteous, pure defender of all that is just and holy, don't fucking run for office because, like – 
you're going to have to make decisions you didn't want to make. And that's one reason we really need to get beyond this political system because it sucks to do that to people. It sucks to take somebody like Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez and make her vote on an omnibus spending bill that includes funding for ICE. Yep. You know, our politics are rotten to the core. So that sucks. I really, I don't want to see that shit happening to Nithya. She's way too good for that. She's way, oh man, it's making me cry now thinking about it. Fucking hell. Defend Nithya at all costs. We will, we will throw that. ourselves in front of every legislative bullet. We will Zoom bomb every yep. meeting. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be really interesting. You know, L.A. is going through a lot of changes. Um, people are waking up. People are figuring out what they can do. Yesterday was a lot of fun with people celebrating Trump's loss or Biden's victory, depending on how you want to <laughs> frame it. Um, but, like, Wednesday was amazing. We made oh. international history with Nithya Raman as the first um, Asian woman to serve on the council, the first Desi woman to serve on the council. And I have really high expectations for what Mm -hmm. we're going to be able to do when we get to 2022 and we have a chance to elect seven new Nithias. So Chris, how's the cloning machine coming on? Are the Nithias (sighs) two through eight ready to go yet? We're working on it. We're working on it. We're working on it. Uh, So, uh, But in all seriousness, if you know people out there, that you think should be on LA City Council, if you know people who want to get involved, people who have been doing work in their communities, people who have already been doing this shit, let us know. We have a lot of ground to cover. We can't research everybody in the city. We need your help figuring out who we're going to send to council, and we will have candidate trainings coming up. Part of our mission as Ground Game LA and as Power isn't just to, like, get ourselves a stable of city council members who owe us their political career. That's not the point. We want to give new candidates the power to run successfully. We want to give communities the power to generate and support those candidates. We will tell you all of our secrets because we don't have any fucking secrets. The dirty secret to Nithya's win is that we don't have any fucking dirty secrets. We did this all above board, and we're going to keep doing it above board because that's how we get the world we want. We don't compromise and become the next Mm. Ragosa. That is out of the question. We just keep doing the right thing and hoping that people are brought to that. So um, my blood sugar is crashing a little bit. I really need to eat some food. So, Chris, take us to the outro. As always, if y'all have any events that you want us to be taking part in publicizing or just being made aware of, please send us a message. You can reach us through the Ground Game LA Facebook page. on Twitter, on Instagram, at Ground Game LA. We're not hard to get a hold of. At Bushido Squirrel for DMs uh, about all this shit. We're always online. Roth. We are. We are, in, we are like chronically online. It is problematic for both of us, I know. Uh, yeah. This podcast and every Ground Game podcast is a production of Knock.LA. Support our work over on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Knock underscore LA. You can, of course, check the description of this podcast for sources, links to action, and social media links. And I just want to say thank you very much for tuning in and listening to us. Yeah. Uh, this is extremely satisfying work to do, and we're only yep. building from here. Uh, yesterday definitely had a jam. like. People-